welcome to another edition of Cue It Up. It is Monday, March 20th, 2023. So excited to be bringing you this podcast, especially after everything that happened over this past weekend. Quinton Pelzel with you. I did not have a podcast on Friday. Just way too busy. So much going on. But I am here today, and I plan, I plan on having a podcast on Friday. But a ton to get into today. So much going on in the world of sports. Obviously, March Madness. Don't really want to talk about my bracket because that is in shambles right now. I know no one really cares about another person's bracket. But if you do have a good bracket, good for you because there's been a lot of upsets. And this is, in my time, in my memory, probably one of the hardest March Madnesses to predict. I mean, going in, we knew that it was going to be kind of a crazy March Madness just because there wasn't an overwhelming favorite, just like in recent years. I know a lot of people were on Kansas even last year, but this year in particular, it was just so wide open, so crazy. Alabama was losing to teams that they shouldn't early on in the year, and there wasn't a one dominating team. I mean, the number one team in the country was the Houston Cougars for a while, and they're in the AAC. They're not even in a Power 5 conference or even Power 6, to be honest. And a lot of people maybe discounted Houston. A lot of people did not believe in Purdue, and they lost. Houston did win. They're in the Sweet 16 now, so good for them. But Purdue was one of the, was the first number one to lose, which... I don't think anyone expected them to lose to Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round, but they did. It was crazy. It was the second ever 16 seed to beat a number one. Of course, you had a few years ago with uh, UMBC, I believe the team was. They knocked off Virginia by 20 points. I mean, that was as decisive as you could get, really. But this game came down to the wire, and it just added to the fuel of March Madness, which was really fun to watch over the weekend. Just constant basketball from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to 12 o'clock in the evening. It was really just an awesome four days. And now, here we are Monday, we have to go another three full days without college basketball, and then it picks right back up with the Sweet 16. What the heck are we going to be doing with ourselves today? I mean, no basketball. Today, tomorrow, or Wednesday, I mean, that's that's just really hard, especially after just 24-7 college basketball. But um, I do want to get into some of the, you know, more interesting matchups and the more interesting outcomes of the weekend for March Madness. The first one, Arkansas taking down Kansas in the round of 32. I personally thought that Kansas was one of the better teams in the entire pool of March Madness, and I thought they were at least going to get to the Elite Eight, maybe even Final Four, but that just was not the case. Arkansas coming out of nowhere. Seems like every year they are making some sort of a run in March Madness, so good for them. You have Kansas State moving on to the Sweet 16. It'll be Michigan State against Kansas State. Connecticut moving on, and actually for the Big East, three Big East teams are in the Sweet 16. That's 60% of the teams that made it to the NCAA tournament, are in the Sweet 16. So really good showing for the Big East. Tennessee taking down Duke. That was a huge matchup. I thought Duke was going to get to the championship game, actually. But Tennessee will be taking on Florida Atlantic. They came back and beat Memphis 
in the round of 64, and then they were able to knock off Fairleigh Dickinson. As for Gonzaga, they won last night. They'll be taking on UCLA on Thursday in the Sweet 16. UCLA, they had a little bit of a scare in the round of 32 against Northwestern, but they were able to pull it out. They were up by 15 early in the first half, and then they gave up the lead, and then they took it right back, and then they ended up winning by, I think, five or six, maybe even more than that. But the Gonzaga game last night, was very good against TCU. That came down to the wire, at least the last few minutes, I would say, and then Gonzaga finally pulled away. But they're a team that I am high on. I do think Gonzaga, as the three seed, will beat UCLA, but we'll see. That'll be a really good game, 945 on Thursday on CBS. I'll be tuned into that. And Miami. Miami was a huge team for me that I thought was going to go to the Elite Eight. And not a lot of people had them going to the Elite Eight or had them going that far, but they had a really good season in the ACC. They'll be taking on Houston, who's had a relatively easy time going through. They've dealt with some injuries to their guard, uh, Sasser, but uh, he's back. He's playing really well, played really well in that round of 32 game. So it'll be Houston against Miami. And then Alabama will be taking on San Diego State. San Diego State beating Furman. They had a little bit of an easier time because Furman beat Virginia. Oh, man. And for me, I said on my podcast last week on Monday that I was going to take Alabama all the way. I had a last-second change of heart. I ended up going with Alabama losing in the Sweet 16 to Virginia. And, of course, Virginia loses. I, for some reason, got on the Virginia hype train and took them all the way to the Final Four. That obviously came back to bite me, and, you know, it sucks. Now, Alabama looks really good right now, and I should have went with my gut, and that's just a lesson for the future. Go with your gut instinct always. Don't go back on it, and I should have done that. I also made a couple of last-second changes in uh, the first round that— did not go my way, so I should have just kept my original bracket. I don't know what I was thinking. I tried to get too cute, and it just backfired in an enormous way against me. So never doing that again, but Alabama will probably beat the doors off of San Diego State. I would not be surprised. And then the last game, Xavier against Texas. So you ask, if you didn't take Alabama to win the championship, who do you think is going to win the championship? And for me, I went with Texas. Texas actually looks really good right now. That's one of the decisions that I made last second that I think will end up holding up. Watch Xavier end up beating Texas. Um, I would not doubt it on Friday, but that should be a really good game. Three against two. Texas, the number two seed, highest seed since I think 2008, but they just have so many scores, a ton of bigs to rotate in. They got a couple of really good guards. And I think Texas is the best team in the tournament right now. And we'll see if that holds up. But, I mean, we also thought that Virginia was one of the better teams in the tournament. They lost early. I thought that Kansas could have been the best team in the tournament. They lost early. A lot of people had Arizona making a run. They lost to Princeton. I mean, can you believe that? And Princeton is now in the Sweet 16. The nerds from New Jersey are in the Sweet 16. And they've knocked off... Not just Arizona, but they won yesterday too. So it is just a crazy March Madness. And I said on Monday too, I said that this was going to be crazy, but I did not end up 
putting my money where my mouth was. I ended up going chalk because I could not even fathom Virginia losing to Furman or Arizona losing to Princeton. Who could have forecasted that? And that goes all down the drain once the tournament starts. Mental note for next year, it doesn't matter what's on paper. You just got to go with your gut. If you think, and you gotta, you gotta, you just have to go out on a limb and predict upsets, even if it just looks so outlandish right now, um, in the moment when you're selecting those teams, it comes back and it will benefit you because there are always upsets, always, always. And this year, just more than any other year, that was the case. I ended up going mostly, I wouldn't say chalk, but because I did have some higher seeds moving on. But for the most part, like I had Kansas in the Sweet 16 at least. I had Arizona in the Sweet 16. I had all of these teams in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, but that just ended up really going against me. But that all aside, my personal picks and just my biases that I have going in, just a terrific four days of college basketball. A lot of them came down to the wire. There were some that were blowouts, but for the most part, they were really entertaining games. Now, moving on, another huge piece of news that went down last week that I was not able to do a podcast on. I wish I was able to. That is Aaron Rodgers informally committing to the New York Jets. Now, he said on the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday that he intends to play for the Jets. Now, he intends to play for the Jets in quotes. He is not on the Jets yet, and here we are on Monday, March 20th. He has still not put on the green uniform of the New York Jets yet. And that is a decision that the Packers have made to not agree to any compensation yet from the Jets. A lot of people are predicting that it might be a first-round pick, maybe two first-round picks. I don't care what it is. They have to get this done, and the Packers, sooner or later, need to realize that they have no leverage at all in this. Aaron Rodgers does not want to be a Packer anymore. He doesn't want to play for the Packers. He said that he loves the fan base. He loves the organization as a whole, Green Bay, everything that goes along with it. But for some reason, the owners of the Packers, the front office of the Packers, they made it clear that they don't want Aaron Rodgers back either. So if Rodgers doesn't want to be back with the Packers, and if the Packers don't want Rodgers back, I don't know what leverage the Packers think they have if they keep negotiating with the Jets. They don't. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play at all for the Green Bay Packers this year, and the Packers have to realize that. And whatever they can get, honestly, you just got to accept that. But I am truly shocked that there has not been a trade announced yet. I mean, it's been how many days? Five days since Aaron Rodgers said that on Pat McAfee, and I would assume the Packers knew that even before um, he went on and announced to the world that he intends to play for the Jets. But the Packers have to realize that they don't really have any skin in the game now. They have to trade um, Rodgers, and they have to do it relatively quick. Because Packer fans are going to start to get antsy. Jets fans are going to start to get antsy. And then you have the general public turning against the Packers and their front office. So it's not going to be a good look for them at all if they just hold on to Aaron Rodgers as long as they possibly can. Because they just have to realize he's not playing for them anymore. He said it. Um, and as I was listening to that on the Pat McAfee show, with all that being said, I was just above and beyond 
enthusiastic about Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. I wanted him all along. I thought that he was the best option for the Jets, especially with all these free agents out there who already signed. Derek Carr was gone. You had Jimmy Garoppolo gone. All the other backup quarterbacks, they've signed already. So now all the eggs were in one basket for the Jets, and they were able to land Aaron Rodgers, at least for now. It looks like Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet. I don't know when they're going to agree to compensation, but I am confident that they will eventually, even if it takes a month or two from now. I don't really care. I am confident that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet no matter what it takes. I'm okay with giving up a first-round pick. I'll be totally honest. A first-round pick for a year of Aaron Rodgers at least, maybe two, but I'm not going to go beyond that. I don't even want to think beyond year one of Aaron Rodgers being a Jet because I just want to see how this year goes, and I'm sure he'll probably retire or will end up going through the same gymnastics again at this time next year. But one year of Aaron Rodgers equals one first-round pick. That is fine. I'm also okay with giving up two first-round picks if Rodgers commits to two years with the Jets. I really am. But we'll see. It may end up not even being a first-round pick. It may end up being a first-round pick swap. It may end up being two first-round picks. So we really don't know what the compensation will be. The Packers and the Jets have done a really nice job of kind of keeping that buttoned up. I know some people have released rumors and kind of inside sources that it's going to be a first-round pick, but really no one knows. No one knows at all, and I haven't heard anything about the Jets and the Packers with a compensation of any sort at all since that um, interview with Pat McAfee on Wednesday. So both teams have done a great job of keeping it buttoned up and keeping the general public in the dark. So hopefully over the next week or so, we will have a finality to this and Rodgers will be on the Jets and then the Jets can move on with their offseason. Nothing really with the Giants over the past week, so no news is good news for the Giants. And now, baseball. Huge news over the past week. Edwin Diaz, after shutting the door on Team Puerto Rico's win, he was celebrating, jumping up and down, and he tore his ACL while celebrating that, of course, sparked a huge outrage on Twitter, saying the World Baseball Classic should be banned. Why are they doing this? It doesn't mean anything, but that just is just an overreaction to a freak accident that happened. Edwin Diaz wasn't even pitching. Like This happened in a celebration after the game. It didn't happen when he was throwing or when he was playing in the game. It happened in a celebration. That's how freak of an accident that was, and... And for the people on Twitter that were making a huge point about that and how the World Baseball Classic should be no more, just take a look at what happened last night. How many people were so into the World Baseball Classic? Twitter was blowing up when Trey Turner hit that home run. And the players, they get so into it. They want to represent their country. And even if you know some fans here in the United States don't really get the point of the World Baseball Classic, all you have to do is just take a look at all the fans that travel from around the world, South America, coming up to the States to watch their team play, to watch Venezuela, to watch Puerto Rico play. They have so much excitement for their team. They want to see the players that came from their country play together and do well on a humongous stage that has done tremendously for the game of baseball. And I get it. You know, Mets fans, they were 
really disappointed, really sad about the fact that they lost their all-star closer for probably the entire year. He did have a successful surgery a couple days ago, and we'll see, but it is most likely he will be out for the entire year. So that sucks, and it sucks that it happened to the New York Mets, but you can't overreact and say that the World Baseball Classic should be banned because these players are really into it, and it means so much for them, the pride for their country. You can't take that away. So um, it means something. You, you can't say that the World Baseball Classic doesn't mean anything because it does mean something to these players, to these fans, to the families uh, that are watching these guys play. And it's fun to watch. Like It is objectively fun to watch. Especially, You can't say that you didn't get any goosebumps when Trey Turner hit that grand slam in the semifinal round against Venezuela a few days ago. Uh, late in the game with a Team USA, backs against the wall, hit that grand slam. I mean, Trey Turner, I'm going to hate him for the next 10 years because he's on the Philadelphia Phillies, but that was amazing. And then USA wins last night. They're in the championship game. So it's just an overreaction, and I get it, but I hope the fans and the people who did say that the World Baseball Classic should be banned can realize that it does mean something, and the players absolutely love it. They take so much pride in representing their country and putting USA across their chest and putting Venezuela across their chest and putting Japan across their chest. They love that, and it's it would not make sense to overreact off of some freak injury that happened. And it's not like players are going down left and right. I mean, Edwin Diaz is really the only guy that went down. Jose Altuve is also out, but he got hit by a pitch, and that happens in the game of baseball. So... You can't overreact on one or two freak injuries that has happened. So for me, I will always be in favor of the World Baseball Classic because I'm in favor of expanding the game, of increasing the popularity of the game, and the World Baseball Classic does that. Now, switching gears, Brandon Nimmo did get hurt as well in a spring training game, and I don't hear anybody saying that we don't have to play any spring training games, but in a spring training game, he did get hurt. Um, but he is going to be okay. It looked like that it was going to be a little bit of a more of the major injury because it happened to his knee, but it's just a low-grade knee sprain, and he should be good for opening day, which is very encouraging, and um, when I heard that as a Mets fan, I was extremely happy about that. Uh, I was going to talk about the Yankees and their shortstop dilemma, but I can talk about that on Friday. They have moved Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, to a utility role. They've experimented with him in center field, especially with Harrison Bader now out for at least the first couple months of the season. So maybe IKF will be in center field. And I think the last thing that a Yankee fan wants to see is IKF at shortstop because Hebrew was brought in last year with the expectation that he was going to play a tremendous shortstop. And he kind of struggled defensively. And he obviously didn't hit as well. So the Yankees are either going to be going with one of their two top prospects at shortstop, Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe. And for me, it should be Volpe, but I'll get into more of that on Friday. That'll do it for me on this podcast. As I am recording this podcast now, there appears to be a huge shakeup in the Big East world of college basketball. Looks like Ed Cooley might be going to Georgetown. And Rick Pitino leaving Iona. They obviously got to the NCAA tournament and lost to UConn a few days ago. Looks like Patino will be going to St. John's, and I'll be talking more about that, especially when that stuff does become official over the next week. So I will be back on Friday talking about all of that 
Enjoy the Knicks tonight. They're on a roll. They've won three in a row. I'll be talking about them on Friday. There's just so much to talk about. I wish I had more time, but I don't. Have a tremendous rest of your day. I'll talk to you on Friday.